Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, May 12th, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 39, starting with the first paragraph. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people. We'll be reading through the second paragraph that ends on the next page with self-knowledge would fix it. Today's readers are Elaine B. and Stephanie L. The share ID for Thursday, May 11th, is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 9930. For this morning's May 12th, 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Standard Time, the share ID is 9933. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carrie M. to read the 12 steps. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Boston. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs in the past. Thank you, Carrie M. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater from New Jersey. 12 Traditions. Number one, our common wealth pressure come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is the one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our fellow, excuse me, our leaders are our trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
Five, each group has the one ultimate primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation for all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles through our personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Matt. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 39, starting with the first paragraph that starts with that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people. We will be reading through the second paragraph that ends with self-knowledge would fix it. Uh, the first paragraph is read for context only, and comments will be focused on the second paragraph read that starts with Fred as a partner. I will now ask Elaine B. to begin reading. Thank you so much for your service, Julie. <clears throat> this is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in the hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. 
it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that we had, he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that his humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober, sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. That's what we want, isn't it? We want a solution. We want a solution to our problem so that we can go on with all the success and none of the torture, none of the shame that we experience. I, I love the word that they use here. You know, it wasn't alcohol tremens and delirium. It's the jitters. I was in the hospital because of the jitters. <laughs> And, um, you know, there's a way that we can minimize. There's a way that we can identify out. What I did was, you know, it was so clear in my in my family of origin that alcoholism or actually compulsive, well, probably both <laughs> compulsive overeating is a family disease because, you know, mom's nickname was Mother Hubbard, restricting. Uh, my sister's uh, drug of choice was anorexia, was hospitalized for it. My other one, bulimia. And me, I wore fat like a badge. But you know what came with that? Shame. Shame of being afraid to sit on a chair that it would break. Shame of having to ask for an extender belt in the um, in the airplane. Uh, shame of the fact that my nylons yet again had run first day wearing them because, you know, my thighs my just rubbed them together. Shame of, uh, you know, not paying attention to what was happening at that important meeting because there were brownies on the table. And I was more interested in thinking about could I get another one without anybody noticing. Shame, shame, shame was such a, a, a aspect of my disease. But, um, you know, I just wore my fat like a badge. Well, he made a decision to quit. I made a decision not to quit. I was just going to keep getting bigger and fatter. <laughs> Um, but he made a decision to quit. He, it never occurred to him that he couldn't. Um, he thought that uh, he could do it on his own. And after, you know, some years in the rooms and getting a food plan and losing weight, maintaining it for quite a long time, yet never understanding this idea about the disease of the, um, the, the allergy of the body of the disease of the mind, I started taking in food that I was allergic to. And I couldn't stop. And I gained 10 pounds a year um, after three years. And then, man, when I went out, my disease had gotten so powerful. Talk about shame and humiliation. I didn't really care, you know, that my husband said I took on a new lover. I didn't really care. I had food hidden all around the house. But you know what? I needed convincing. It's John Barleycorn. It's the food that does the convincing. That's when I had the desperation of a dying man to hold on to these steps, to identify my alcoholic foods, to get rid of them. And the life that I have now is second to none. It just keeps getting better and better. There is hope. There is a solution. It will work for anybody who grabs hold of these steps, diligently works them, and continues to work them for the rest of their lives. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. I'd like to remind everyone that the first paragraph was read for context only. We're going to be focusing our shares on the second paragraph read that begins with Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. Who would like to share? Charles H. Charles H. Shelby F. Nessie B. Shelby F. 
Hold on. Shelby S. as a Frank? No, that's Sylvia. Oh, Sylvia. Sylvia S. Okay, after Sylvia? Nessie B. Let's do it again. Nessie B. Nessie B. I'm sure we'll correct that. Okay. Margie B. Margie B. Reggie O. Terry H. Terry H. Okay, we're going to stop right there. So I have Charles H., Sylvia F., Nessa B., Margie B., Reggie O., and Terry H. Okay, go ahead, Charles. You're up. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Self-knowledge would fix it. And like one of our uh, teachers told us um, this morning, we could refer to Bill's story on page 7 where he says, it would not fix it. Um, so I can just identify that Fred was using outside stuff, and he was filled up. He, Fred was full of himself, so there's no need for God. <laughs> um, there was no room for God. There was no room for the 12 steps. He was full of himself. Hey, he was a partner at a, a nice business, had a nice home, great, great personality, but he was an alcoholic. That, that, just that little but, it was simplified. It just sounds so... My knew he was an al- alcoholic, and and he heard like Jim, he knew about his disease, but the self knowledge he thought would fix it. I could sure identify with that. I could tell you that um, from experience, right, that perfectionism is the highest form of spiritual abuse. You know, he was he was he looked he he appeared to be fine, um, and 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 that's why this chapter ends with his defense must come from a higher power. But we can't show it to anybody. You need to see it for yourself. Charles, you need to see it for yourself. You know, um, I, I went to an a interview meeting yesterday, and, you know, I wonder, perfectionism undermined my recovery every single time. And just like I, I went to the meeting and winding down, I just want to say this real quick. Uh, there was a beautiful, you know, New York City intergroup, and it was two members, and I remember one of those members that was a newcomer. They were OA police officers at a retreat, and I was raw back then, rawer than I am now. And they were they, tooth and nail every subject. They were raising their hand, and it was it was good. They knew what they was talking about. But after the meeting, I went up to both of them and I said, "You really made me uncomfortable." In 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 in, in, in under, I, I believe you were being helpful, but you made me uncomfortable. And if I was a newcomer, I would never come back to Overeaters Anonymous because I'd rather die in the food with my self-knowledge, with everything I knew about what I was doing to myself, than to turn out like you guys. And I shook their hands after that, and I went over to the lady, and I said, I want to apologize for what you had to endure. But sometimes we got to endure some stuff. And I said, you know what? And the crazy part about it, I became um, connected to that inner group, even through the adversity. So Fred's got to go through some stuff and get deflated before he can realize that his defense must come from a higher power. With that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Sylvia F. followed by Nessie B. Good morning, everybody. This is Sylvia F., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And, uh, boy, there's a couple of lines in here that I can so relate. And, you know, what he said is uh, he made up his mind. And here he is. He's a professional. 
He's going into the office. He's well-respected. Life looks good on the outside from anyone who doesn't know. He just has this one little problem. Just this one little problem. He uh, he's, an, he's a drunk. And I can... Um, and so he made up his mind, and he was just shocked, simply shocked, that uh, that there was nothing that he could do to stop it because he could control everything else in his life. He just didn't get it. And boy, that was me. I I you know I was a professional. I was you know at a pretty well respected institution. <laughs> you know, just a I was a um, teacher and. And uh, I had the respect of my peers and my colleagues and, you know, et cetera. And I would make up my mind, not today. I was not going to go over to the mini mart, which we had on our campus. Today was going to be the day. I wasn't going to do it. And the minute I even had that thought, it wasn't 30 minutes later before I was there, you know, filling up, you know, the bins from all the all the choices that I had, taking them back to my desk and and sticking them in my desk and eating out out of my desk when um, nobody was watching because I had to medicate. I had to medicate to sit there and be me. The job wasn't terrible. It was me. It was all in my head. And um, and so you know the the way that. Um, the way that I came in and got in, it, nobody even 12-stepped me. I, you know, I, I stumbled across someone. I read a book. I guess I was 12-stepped. I read a book. It was a memoir. And someone was describing my experience with food. And she also, she was successful. She was in my career. And she just had this one little problem. And, you know, everyone could see that, you know, I was either morbidly obese or I was, you know, skinny. I was, there was nothing normal about what I was doing. And that uh, here it says that, you know, it tells us self-knowledge is not the answer and we got to come in here and find the spiritual solution. And that's what I did. And I'm so grateful um, every day to know that there is a solution and I just have to work at it. I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Uh, Nessie B. followed by Margie B. Good morning. This is Nessie B. from New York, compulsive overeater. So grateful for this program. You know, the first few times I read through the big book, I really identified with Fred. I really thought I was successful and had a wonderful family and all these other things. And then we read this the section of the book in my face-to-face meeting this week, and I said, and I was struck by the thought, no, honestly, I was a whole lot more like Jim that we read about a few pages ago. But it doesn't matter. What matters is that I realized, thank God, thank God, that I was a compulsive overeater, that I had no other solution, that all the times I tried to marshal my will and I thought I had so much knowledge and, and I could lick this disease, didn't work. And it was not until I came into this program and learned about the 12 steps and accepted them that I could start recovering. And one day at a time, that is such a beautiful place for me to be. And I just wish it on everyone who is not there yet. And with that, I pass. Nechi B. Bye. Thank you, Nessie B. Margie B. followed by Reggie O.
Good morning. This is Margie D. Diaz and Dog from Waco, Texas. I'm newly recovered and very, very grateful. I think that Fred may be a distant relative of mine. Both my grandfathers are named Fred, and I also tried that experiment of self-knowledge. It didn't work. Now, I added a little twist to the self-knowledge. I had to do things a little bit differently, and that is self-knowledge along with God helping me. Then I should be able to quit overeating. But that didn't work either. My mother was in OA, so I heard about compulsive eating and abstinence and gray sheet. So I thought if I just watched what I eat, then I'd be okay. But I wasn't. I still gained 20 pounds. When I was in college, I started OA when I was 19. In the next 10 years, I met my husband, got married, had two kids. I was abstinent. And then I thought, well, I have 11 years. I can do it. I can do it myself. I have the knowledge. I have God helping me. But what happened is I slowly started to eat. I started to gain weight very slowly, and over the next 25 years, I gained 100 pounds. That's with self-knowledge and God helping me. It wasn't until I came here to the Risen for You meetings that I realized that the missing ingredient for me was the fact that I am powerless. I am powerless and that that was my problem. I had no power. I had knowledge, yep, and I even had God in my life. But I didn't have the power to stop eating. I didn't have the power to stop yelling at my kids and husband. I didn't have the power to not be thinking about myself all day long. So I'm so grateful to be here today, to to be in a recovered state for today. And I thank God and I thank everybody in AA and OA and I'll pass. Thank you, Margie D. Um, and after Reggie O, we're going to uh, break for a, a promotion from Larry K. talking about our convention. Go ahead, Reggie O. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for your service, Julie, and everybody on the phone this morning. I'm Reggie O. Gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area, and uh, boy, what a what a story! You know, it's like I, a couple of things stand out for me. You know, he he was obviously successful uh, in you know, most of the areas of his life. And it struck me to all appearance, that line to all appearance. He is a stable, well-balanced individual. And, you know, I can say that for myself over the years, uh, to all appearance, I have, uh, you know, mostly looked successful and people would have thought me as such, but that wasn't everything that was going on underneath, you know, underneath in some respects, some respects the truth, but some respects it respects the facade. And then, you know, it's when he went into the hospital with a bad case of jitters and, and the doctor actually saw that saw saw in him that he might be worse, you know, but in back in those days that he could very well be alcoholic, but but uh Fred could not see that. 
this is this is what really strikes me and and also about my experience. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether because he came to see I, you know it seems that he came to see that he could not drink alcohol because something happened to him that that just was not good. He ended up you know with a bad case of jitters and in the in an institution, so he just decided to quit drinking altogether now that makes rational sense if I don't put anything in my body if I don't put alcohol or alcoholic foods in my body and the craving doesn't begin it makes perfect sense I'll be okay and that you know I think has been that was that was my in some respects lack of understanding and knowledge for so many years but that was only the first part you know that was only the first part of the first step because what happens and is really the biggest piece and I think what the steps are designed to 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 really uh, create, as it talk, you know, our book talks about the spiritual awakening and experience that removes the compulsion. That is the psychic change, so that no matter how long uh, in between my picking up uh, alcoholic foods, uh, whether it's you know a month or six months or or two years, there there comes that time where the you know the the insanity, the mental obsession, that twist of thought can come in, and it and it, it the, the alcohol is not or the alcoholic food is not at work in my body, but the alcoholic mind is at work in my thinking, and I will you know and I will pick up, and that's what I've come to learn really, uh, and I'm so grateful for in uh, the vision, you know, the vision meetings and the way that we read and study and understand the twelve steps is that. You know, okay, I can put down my food. I can put down my alcoholic food, and that's you know, in some respects, the first half of the first step. But I can't keep it down. I can't keep it down without the relief that comes from working the steps. You know, the the clean the cleaning house and having a spiritual experience, and then keep it down uh, with a continuous daily practice working. You know, of first of all being completely turning everything over to God, not just my food, but the rest of my life, and working ten, eleven, and twelve on a regular basis. And for that, uh, I'm so uh, very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggie O. And Larry Kay, you're next. Hey, Julie. How are you? Thanks for your service. Okay, Julie, this is something you're not going to want to miss. I I might have met you at the the 2015 convention. I'm not sure. But um, Vision for You is hosting an amazing opportunity for growth and recovery, and it's called The Power of the Big Book, a weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship. Now, if you haven't registered, um, you're going to want to save your seat. Don't wait. Do it today. Um, Don't get shut out of this opportunity. It's going to be September 15th through the 17th, 2017. It's going to be held at the Liberty International Airport Marriott Hotel and Convention Center in Joyzy in New Jersey. So I'm looking forward to it. And all the details, you can find all the the wonderful details on our website, which is www.avisionforyou.info. That's www.avisionforyou.info. And um, don't, don't miss this opportunity. I was, I, as I said, I was at the one in 2015. It's a tremendous opportunity. So now with that, let's get back to the, the big book study focused on Fred here and his tremendous knowledge of self, which availed him nothing. And back to you, Julie. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Terry H., you're next. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And I'm definitely looking forward to grabbing my seat at the convention in September. Awesome. Um, 
he was positive that this humiliating experience and self-knowledge would keep him sober. Um, for me, all of the humiliating experiences I had and self-knowledge I gained throughout the years was not enough to keep my disease at bay. Um, for me, many times I was caught purging, binging, and restricting and felt humiliation and shame. I was hospitalized multiple times and educated about my disease. You know, even Google taught me a lot about my disease. Many, many times I made promises to myself and others really believing I could stop and control my disease. I could get abstinent. However, I could not tame and control the obsession of my mind. I have an allergy to certain foods and a crazy, obsessive mind. I am a grateful member of that pickle club I hear about often on the, on the lines. I will never, never be a cucumber again. I have this disease. Once I became desperate enough wanting to live, I knew I was powerless. Every time I binged and put my head in the toilet purging, I knew I was powerless. I was dying physically, but I wanted to live. I, you know, I wanted to live my life. When I asked a recovered person to work the steps with me, through the big book, I was desperate to the point to set aside everything I thought I knew about my disease. I actually knew very little as I was going through the big book and I realized I knew nothing. Having had a spiritual awakening and a spiritual experience as a result of working through the steps, today, as a recovered woman, I no longer fight my disease. Each day I turn it over to God and I do the work to expand my spiritual life. I do whatever it takes every day. I know my disease is always there and I will always be the pickle or a pickle. However, each day when things come up in life, I work my program. I am experienced the, I am experiencing those freedoms and joys that, that are talked about in the promises in the big book every day in life. You know, I'm able to giggle and laugh and love. And that is just amazing for me. You know, I, my disease doesn't choke me anymore. I know it's there, but as I'm working my program and taking the action and expanding my spiritual life, you know, I am in a better, much better place, and I am very grateful. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Terry H. Uh, who else would like to share? Judy G. Judy G. Anyone else? All right. Well, go ahead, Judy G. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Judy G. G. Sherry K. Sherry K. B. Sherry K. Uh, yeah, I, I was just waiting for Judy to start. So it was Elizabeth and Sherry K. B. Go ahead, Judy. Okay, I'm Judy G, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. And um, when I hear Fred's story, it's pretty easy for me to identify because I placed a lot of stock in self-knowledge. And I think that the sentence that really jumps out to me about Fred is when it says, it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so. In other words, could not stop on the basis of his awareness and I spent a lot of time not only outside of OA, uh, but inside OA, 
believing that I was still the one who was going to stop this problem because I understood the 10 steps, the 12 steps. There it was, 10 steps, 12 steps. I'm sure I was skipping some. And I knew about myself. I had years of therapy. And in my mind, I had this equation. I've had my experiences. I've had all this compulsive eating. And if I add that together with my self-knowledge, then surely I will stop, that that was going to be what I got as a result. And I think it took me failure, not just being out there as a compulsive overeater, but failure in OA many, many times to start to understand that I really didn't know if I was going to be able to stop. And that it was only until I I really understood that maybe I couldn't stop even knowing what I knew about OA, that I was really in deep trouble and a compulsive eater. And I came uh, to listen to these meetings, and uh, I think that for a while, even then, I was deepened more into a fear that perhaps I couldn't stop and that that was actually necessary for me because that's when I began to identify in. And I had not heard that phrase, identify in, until I came to this line and uh, began to see the ways I was identifying out. And uh, I would minimize it tremendously just as uh, Fred did, telling himself that he really just had a bad case of the jitters and it wasn't a big problem. But it took identifying in, and part of identifying in was understanding that maybe I couldn't stop. And uh, I kept saying I, 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 because I did not yet understand that there was going to be a, a power beyond me, really understand what that meant. But when I began to feel truly hopeless, because I learned that just making up my mind was not going to work, that's when I became willing to identify in, work the steps according to how a sponsor would help me, and uh, believe that there was hope without really knowing exactly how that hope was going to reveal itself. So I'm grateful to be here today, grateful to understand that the I is of little use here, and that all the good things that my mind can do for me in my life do not include keeping me stopped from compulsive eating. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy G. And I didn't get the last initial, but Elizabeth, you're next, followed by Sherry KB. Yes, um, this is Elizabeth D. as in Donald. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Very grateful to be on the line today. And I, I identify in with these paragraphs and everything that I've heard shared on the line, um, it's hard for me to add to what I've already heard. But um, I will say that um, for me, uh, ditto everything. Um, I, being a religious person, being a person who had had a pretty active spiritual life, um, had a very hard time finally coming to the conclusion that self-knowledge was not enough. Um, I thought that I just needed to find the right food plan, the right meeting, if I could just find the right combination of tools to work this program, because surely I could lick this problem. I've been in OA for 30 years. 
that, you know, I have enough knowledge. I know about nutrition. I know what food plan works for me or not. Surely I can figure this out. And it wasn't until I was beaten to a, a state of reasonableness, like it says in the big book, that I finally accepted the truth as Fred accepted the truth, and that is that self-knowledge avails me nothing when it comes to the mental obsession, that my only solution to the mental obsession that will always bring me back to my alcoholic foods is um, found in these steps, worked one after another in sequence with a guide who is recovered. And I am living a life I never imagined I could live um, as a result of, of doing this. And I am profoundly grateful for um, the spiritual awakening I've had, which I know is contingent today on daily practice of these uh, spiritual tools that are found in the big book. Um, and I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Elizabeth D. And I'd like to remind everyone to please stay muted. Somebody's typing in the background. So Sherry KB, you are next. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thanks for your service, Julie. Um, you know, it's interesting. To all appearances, he's, he is stable and well-balanced individual, yet he is an alcoholic. Um, the doctors emanated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. Um, never thought I was worse, worse um, than, I, than I realized. I never thought it for a very long time that... Um, I was a compulsive reader of my type. Um, never occurred to him that perhaps he could do so in spite of his character standing and standing. Um, I, you know, I, I got this one. That's what I'd always say. That was my famous line. I got this. I can, I can deal with it. As long as I know information and what to do, I can handle it. But, you know, every time I tried to handle it, I handled it for a very short amount of time, and then I was always back in the food. And, you know, something occurred to me is that, you know, it's so important for us to identify into this and um, because, you know, our disease isolates us. And I know my disease isolated me, and that's why it's so important for me to identify in and to listen to these stories because it's interesting because we're, we're given all kinds of different stories about different alcoholics here, and we're different compulsive overeaters of backgrounds and whatnot, but we have one thing in common. We're compulsive overeaters, and we can't do this by ourselves. Um, and I was thinking about how, you know, somebody was saying it's it's not, it's not, you know, it's not the meetings, it's not this meeting, it's not, you know, your sponsor. And I thought, you know, the best sponsor I could have is my higher power. That's the best sponsor I could have. Um, and even though I have sponsors and I've been taking through this this book and with a step guide, I need God as my sponsor um, always is what I need. Um, I have blamed circumstances on my disease. I've always thought, you know, if somebody just did this or did that, I would be okay. And I, I ate over my circumstances, and I thought that was the problem. I never realized that the problem lied inside of myself because I wasn't w willing to admit it. And, um, and I had to concede in my innermost self. In other words, concede, and I was looking that word up, and then it means to acknowledge, to show, although against one's will. Like, I don't want to admit I'm a compulsive overeater, but the truth is, is that I am. And until I get that my self-knowledge is not going to fix me, I will continually stay in this disease. And without being in this book, without working the steps, without going through it, living the steps, doing steps 10, 11, and 12, 
I, I keep my disease at bay with my higher power's help. Otherwise, I will always be face down in the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. And this is Julia, our recovered compulsive overeater. I want to sneak in for a second. I've got a, several things highlighted. Um, you know, to all appearances, he is stable and well-balanced. I mean, yes, even though when you looked at me, I was morbidly obese, or, you know, when I wasn't, but I was financially secure, I jewelry, my nails, you know, I, I looked okay, but yet inside I was dying, um, you know, spiritually, physically, uh, and emotionally, I was 24-7, you know, thinking about food, eating food, whatever, but I still thought self-knowledge, if I had the right book, the right hypnosis, the right diet, the right drugs, the right whatever, uh, you know, sweat lodge, whatever it was going to be, that that was going to be enough just to get it going. And the next part, it it says he made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. And as the, the times of me trying to control got smaller and smaller until I was in that complete cycle, I really thought that, you know, I was going to be able to lick this thing. Uh, And the next page, he was positive that his humiliating experience to me was the weight, you know, the fear of people looking at me, judging me, not fitting in an airplane seat, not getting in the ride with my children. Um, Do they really see how big I am? Am I going to have a heart attack? I'm the fattest football mom, all of that stuff. Plus my knowledge, because I had every book. I joined so many gyms, uh, you name it. I probably could be a nutritionist if I wanted to be. That All of that I thought would be able to fix me. But it wasn't until in the rooms, I continued to do that off and on, but when I finally got it, that this is um, a horrific disease, and it centers in my mind, and I have an allergy to any of my food uh, alcoholic foods, that I was going to continue to be on this horrible merry-go-round until I had that spiritual awakening, which I do not think acts feel the way that I did. Uh, I shared yesterday, I just got back from a seven-day all-inclusive um, in near Cancun, all you can eat and all you could drink. None of that mattered. I weighed and measured all of my food. It, I was free. I didn't want anything. Um, I got to see my husband enjoy all these types of foods. And it, it, it's like I can go anywhere and do anything because I am no longer controlled by this disease. I, I'm in line with my God, my creator, only each day, um, 24 hours a day, recovered, not cured. And with that, I'll pass. Who else would like to share? Rizka A. Thank you. Okay, Rizka A. Um, Okay, there was somebody after Riska A. Sherry K. Okay, I think it's Sherry K. Sally B. Sally B. Wendy M. Polly Q. Oh, Polly, that was you after Riska. Okay, Polly Q and Wendy M. We're going to stop right there. Okay, Riska A followed by Polly. Thank you so very much, and thank you for your service, and it's great to be on the line. Uh, Once again, good morning, everyone. My name is Rivka. I am a real uh, recovered compulsive overeater here in Israel, 
Um, uh, this thing about all appearance, he's stable, well-balanced individual. Yes, he's an alcoholic. Yep. I am yet still the compulsive, obsessive, compulsive overeater, but recovered, grateful. I remember my past. And may I never forget my past history uh, of how it was. And, uh, you know, all appearances, that's all I was about <laughs> was appearances. I'm okay. You know, if you ask me, I'm okay. You know, just still experimenting, but I didn't think of it that way. Um, you know, this looked good. You know, I could still take a smidgen, a little slice, a little sliver, um, you know, one bite. But, you know, that potentiality of me, you know, the obsession in my mind and the allergy of the body, uh, every time I started, and I was always good at starting something, you know, I was always starting something, but I could never get a handle on the stopping. That was the thing. I could never do that. And since I've come into this program, I'm so grateful that I have be, I have learned what it means and having to become one who has stopped and stayed stopped. I'm convinced. I made that decision. I did steps one, two, and three, made a decision, got into the vigorous action, did my inventory, my writing, you know, uh, the harm that, you know, other people did to me, you know, and, oh, what it affected on me. And then, you know, I got into where was I to blame, you know, because I always started the ball rolling. You know, I was always the one. I was that tornado, um, you know, the stormy relationships that I was having. I created all that, you know, but today I have the peace and serenity. The program is working. It's spiritual in nature. It's all about my attitude, my action, being convinced. Every time I wake up in the morning, I am still that compulsive overeater. It hasn't changed. My progressive disease uh, still wants to try to take me out. But I have learned to say no wherever I go, whatever the events. And trust me, I have stuff in my fridge now uh, and the pantry that my husband brings home. Uh, I don't get into the poor me self-pity um, because I know that that can take me out. Uh, I can be grateful. It's an attitude of gratitude. That you know what um, I have a spiritual I have a spiritual program I have a God of my own understanding I'm connected I have a fellowship I have the friends in this program um, that helps me to stay centered and I have the support um, you know and 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 I'm I'm free I am happy joy and free to know that you know there's peace and serenity I can I'm learning how to match calamity with serenity reading my literature, praying when I wake up in the morning, and then a review at the end of the Hi. day on the 11th. Thank you. And all these things, all these things are just part of the practice, you know, spiritual practice. And I do it one day at a time. I'm grateful that this month it's 10 months of abstinence, and I'm totally grateful. Thank you for being uh, good, great listeners out there this morning, and I hope to hear from some of you. And uh, I'm looking forward to touching base with a lot of newcomers. Be well. Take care. Bye. And we only have time for two more shares, so that's going to be Polly Q and Sherry K. So go ahead, Polly. Hi, this is Polly Q, a recovered compulsive eater. Thank you so much for your service. I um I love Fred uh, because Fred is all you know. Fred's competent, you know. He's out there in that world. So me too, man. I am competent. And the most dangerous thing was I was. I appeared so confident in the rooms of OA. You know, I, I appeared because, you know, I was white-knuckling it. 
you know, I was all about self-will and self-knowledge. Now, I didn't know that. I, I, I would fully concede that, oh, yeah, no, I'm a food addict, and I did it for years. But I thought, well, I, I'm doing what I hear to do. I'm listening to everybody's self-knowledge, and I have my own self-knowledge, and I'm doing this program oh, well, with the tools and going to meetings. And so, you know, uh, I would just look for more knowledge from other people. That's what I would do. But I never heard anything different. So I thought, well, I, yeah, I, well, I've got the knowledge, and so I'll just barrel through, you know, because I'm confident. I know. And that's what I would do. And it never occurred to me that I had yet to have a spiritual awakening because I had all these little social spiritual experiences along the way and I had this knowledge, right? And, you know, I was, I had kept a lot of weight off, but it's all different now. It's just completely different now, you know? And it's, I can't give that knowledge to somebody. I can tell them about my spiritual experience as a result of working these steps and working them on a daily basis but I cannot give them knowledge. There's, there's got to be something in them that says, hey, these tools are not working. It's not enough. These meetings are not enough. And I want what the big book says I can have. I want that. And I've got to experience that. Somebody cannot give it to me. I have to want it enough that I go out and do what's, uh, just do the instructions, and then I get it. I get that spiritual awakening, and it is night and day from what that self-knowledge recovery process was before. So grab it. Thanks very much. Thanks for letting me share. This is Sherry Kay. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I I am sorry. We've just run out of time. Oh, okay. Um, I, I just want to say one thing. Can I just okay. say I, I'm calling to claim my seat as a true compulsive overeater, and that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry Kay. So it is now time to close our meeting. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Stephanie L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.